What up, Pack, and welcome back to Man Up. What's up, guys? Um, yeah, welcome back. Thanks so much for for joining us. Um, as you can tell, uh, no headway on the technical issues as far as you know. Up until this episode, um, I probably still sound like crap. Uh, it's it's a long. Yeah, it's northern Minnesota. Cold and flu season is about three and a half months long. So, um, it uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it hasn't gotten season better. Is the same amount of time as your guys' summer. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like you we have... go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We go summer, fall, cold and flu, spring, summer. <laughs> yeah, and, so, and, and let me tell you, fall is like the month of September. Because sometimes by mid October you got two feet of snow. So <laughs> it, it, it's it snowed yesterday morning. It yeah, snowed yeah, yesterday it's morning. Uh, yeah. Um I'm sitting down so here. Yeah, I think our eight degree yeah. weather. <laughs> yeah, I think the the low for like two nights ago was like twenty eight, twenty seven degrees. So yeah, yeah it was see, it's exactly. getting that's chilly. The point. And the, but that that's why flu season's so long, because you go from you know upper eighties to yeah, well, I mean, okay, so just a, just a week ago, or a week and a half ago, by the time this episode drops, um, it was, yeah, it was like 70, 72 degrees. I mean, I was working outside in a, in a t-shirt, and a little over a week later, we're getting, you know, 27 degrees at night, so Minnesota's just temperamental. You have to be uh, adaptable to live here, that's for sure. Um but yeah, but anyways, guys, we, we have a, a super fun. So like I said, uh, no headway in the technical issue department. Uh, we have our IT guys working on it um, night and day, which is me and Jordan. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, dead. we're right. <laughs> mostly damn Best Buy. Um, we uh, we're, we're, we're trying, we're trying, but um, we wanted to, uh, yeah, we wanted to share something with you guys. Um it's uh it's a it's a sermon from oh geez three years ago 2018 four years 18? ago oh my four years goodness. ago yeah um yeah it's one that that jordan did and it's just super it's super powerful and super good um and so you know i'll let him give you a little bit of overview of what it is and then uh yeah we'll just kind of dive into it yeah, so it's basically just like every so it's still I mean there's a recession right now. We're coming out of the COVID, you know, lockdown, all this like suicides going way up. And so I just felt like this older message that is basically about just building a team and being there for each other. Yeah. You know, which is what which is I feel like fits too obviously because we've been gone and you guys are still showing us support, you know. Yeah. So it's just basically about coming together as a team, as a pack and making sure that we're there for each other when we need it and that that's yeah. what this whole this whole message is about and like i said it's super old um this was one of the first messages i ever gave so you know don't judge me too harshly <laughs> <laughs> you know um but it's just i mean it's super excited to do it and again we're, we're we are sorry that we can't put out new content but yeah. you know it's just technical difficulties it is what it is keep bearing with us we're gonna do what we can to put out, you know, content as fast as we as, can. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, right. Um, yeah. So guys, I, I really, you know, like I said, I hope you guys enjoy it and, um, yeah, without further ado, uh, take a listen to checkmate. 
So, um, my favorite person in the Bible is David. Um, I just feel like I relate to him. You know, he was a warrior of battle. You know, he messed up time and time again, but yet, you know, he still went back to God and God accepted him and loved him. Um, So with that, I want to ask you guys, like, who is your guys' favorite person in the Bible? Who do you relate to the most? Um, Every other person I've asked about this, no one's ever given me one answer, and that was Jesus. You know, because people, I mean, he lived a perfect life. He's the only one that's ever lived a perfect life. So I feel like people have a hard time, you know, thinking that we can relate to him. But um, in all reality, he was a person. He was a person and he was God. He was both. You know, and he lived the perfect life and none of us are going to be able to do that. But also when he died, it allowed God to come inside of every one of us. So Jesus is a part of every one of us. So if something's a part of you, I feel like it's really easy to relate to that because he's part of who you are. Um, in uh, John 14, 12, um, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to, to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in your name, I will do it. So right there, Jesus himself is stating that we will do greater works than he has done. You know, we, but, I mean, and that's kind of hard to get our heads around because Jesus lived this perfect life and gave up his life so that all of us could go to heaven and have eternal life. So it's like, how, how are we able to do something greater than that? You know, but, um, so when Jesus died on the cross, he won the war. He destroyed the enemy, you know. He won the war against the devil. So what, you know, what can we do that is greater than winning the war? You know, so I was asking God this, and I was praying over this, and um, it came to my mind that our job then, I think, is to win every battle along the way, you know, not just sitting there and being happy and content with the, that the fact that the war's already done, it's like you have football teams, for example, who, I mean, you won the Super Bowl already because of God, because of Jesus. You've already won the Super Bowl. But why are you okay with losing every game on the way, you know? When you go to Super Bowl and win, you don't want to go to the Super Bowl being 0-16, you know, because then you just look ridiculous. You want to go there being 16-0. and You want to have an undefeated season and go all the way and take the championship. So I feel like we need to strive to do that every day. Um, So how do we do this, though? What starts us off on this path where we can do greater works than Jesus? What starts us on this path where we can win the battles? Well, um, the first thing that came to my mind was one is the, the misconception of the armor of God. Now, I feel like, I mean, I even thought this for a while, but with it's in Ephesians 6.10 is where it talks about the armor of God. And um, I, f- I felt like the first time I read this, like if I'm a real Christian and I'm supposed to be protected with the armor of God, why do I still get stuff thrown at me? Why do I still get hurt? 
And then it hit me, like, um, when I was in the military, you know, you see people get hit in their body armor, you know, in their Kevlar, and it, it saves their lives. They don't die, but, I mean, they still break ribs. They still get knocked down. You know, they still get hurt, but because of the Kevlar, you can get back up. And that's, so because of Jesus, we can get back up every time. We won't die. We have eternal life. So... And then another thing I th- uh, that came to my mind was the Infantryman's Creed. All right, and just the first, this is just the first paragraph. And what this is is, like, um, every, like, part of the army, you know, every different um, job has their own special creed. Um, and I was in the infantry, so this is the creed that I had. And it says, I'm the infantry. I'm my country's strength in war, her to turn in peace. I am the heart of the fight. Wherever, whenever, I carry America's faith and honor against her enemies, I am the queen of battle. Now, the first part that stands out to me is I am the heart of the fight. And this applies to us with our fight against the enemy, is that we should be on the front lines. We should be in the mix of all the stuff going on and all these bad things, and we should be the heart of the battle, and we should be the ones fighting back with the enemy. And the second part that came to mind out of this that stuck out to me is, I am the queen of battle. Now, and it's kind of weird, you think of these, you know, infantrymen and soldiers going out, and then you're calling them queens, you know? Like, that's weird. But what, why that's in there is because in a game of chess, the queen is the strongest piece on the board. The queen has, it can move the most, you know, it can move any direction it wants, as many as it wants. And it's the strongest piece and the easiest piece to use to capture your opponent's pieces. So that is why the infantry is called the queen of battle. And that's how we should be, because we are God's strongest weapon against the enemy. Um, Psalm 118, uh, 10 through 17 is what I want to look at. And this is a... Okay, so it says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in... Oh, sorry, wrong one, guys. I just read verse 9. But um, So it says, All the nations surrounded me. In the name of Yahweh, I destroyed them. They surrounded me, yes, they surrounded me. In the name of Yahweh, I destroyed them. They surrounded me like bees. They were extinguished like a fire among thorns. In the name of Yahweh, I destroyed them. You pushed me, had to make me fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has became my salvation. Now, and this to me applies to the game of chess again because what you have is the enemy, right? The, well, first of all, the point of chess is to capture the opponent's king. All right? If you catch that, you win. So um, the opponent's king to me is the devil, right? Because his main goal is to take away your faith from you, to take away your salvation, to take away your eternal life. And then, obviously, this is our faith. Our king is our faith. It's the one thing we want to strive to protect from the enemy. We do not want the enemy taking this peace. And, like I said before, our greatest weapon in defending against the enemy is ourselves. You know, we are the heart of the fight. We are the biggest piece and our biggest strengths against the enemy. Because we can go out there and take the enemy and beat them. But in the same aspect, we're also our own worst enemy. We are also the queen on our opponent's board. 
because the devil is going to try to use you, your mistakes, your flaws, your past, and he's going to use that against you. And I feel like that is his biggest asset, is using that and getting control of your mind and making you think that you're not good enough, making you think that you can't defend your own salvation. And then there's a lot of other pieces. And um, to me, okay, so the next strongest pieces are the bigger pieces. There's the bishop, the knight, and the rook. And all these move different ways and stuff. But to me, those three pieces represent our bigger things that the enemy's coming at us with. Like for me, it's mostly my past that comes at me. So these are the versions of the weapons, you know. These are the biggest weapons that God uses to get us, whether it's depression or lust, you know, like that is the big pieces that the enemy's coming at us with. And then the pawns, which are the weakest pieces in the game, is whatever. I mean, most of the time you just use pawns as a decoy to try to get the opponent's other pieces because they can only move one space at a time, you know. But these are all the little things the enemy throws at us. So when you find that $5 bill on the ground and you decide you can either keep it or try to figure out whose it is, you know, and that might seem little, well, that's still the work of the enemy. It's, you know, someone comes up to you and says something to you that you don't like. It's responding in love or responding in hate. Those are the decisions you have to make. And these are all the little pieces of the enemy. So you put all these on the board. I mean, I don't know if everyone can see this, but right now the enemy has 16 things coming at you against your one to defend your king. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I got in a fight and had 16 people coming at me, I'm not going to win. Or if you're playing a game of football, I mean, if it's just you back there as the quarterback without a line, without anyone to throw it to, and you have 16 guys on the other side trying to tackle you, you're going down and you are not keeping that ball. There's no way. So how do we get things on our side? Well, we have to build our own team. All right, we have to have people in our life to support us and help us fight the enemy because there's, you can't do it alone, especially when situations come up that you don't know how to fix, you know? Like something new hits you in your life and you have no idea how to get around it. Well, you use your teammates. You use these other pieces on the board and you use them and they help you get through the situations because these people have been there. And if they haven't been there, they're still going to come to you and they're still going to help you try to figure out a way to get out of it. So to me, the bishops on our team, I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. It's the bishops and pastors at our church, you know. It's our spiritual father and mothers that help guide us. And they stand right next to us on our walk with faith. Next, we have the knights. And to me... The knights are just, they're fighters, right? So to me, knights are your friends because it's one of the only things that you get to choose in your life. You know, like you start coming to this church, automatically, Jay and Michelle are your pastors, right? And with family, I mean, you're born with them, you're stuck with them for the rest of your life. You know, even if you want to choose not to have them, you're stuck. So to me, these are the pieces you get to choose and these are the ones that help you fight. And then we have the rooks. Now, the rooks represent a castle. And to me, that represents a stone foundation. And that, I think, is the family. You know, because when you're young and you're growing up, they build the foundation of your lives and they build who the person you're going to be is. 
And then we have the pawns, which are weak, right? I just talked about how, I mean, the only time you use them is to try to throw it out there so the enemy will take your pawns so you can try to capture one of their big guys. So, and um, one of the last things that it says in Ephesians 6 is um, that the word, so the Bible, the scripture, is the sword. So to me, that's what a pawn is. Because people kind of blow off the fact that that's our greatest weapon with the enemy. You know, we read it, we learn about Jesus, but we don't really use it as a weapon. You know, but a pawn, if you get it across the board to the other side, becomes any piece you choose it to be. So you get your pawn across and you use it the right way, it can become a queen. So you just doubled your strongest piece on the board. And to me, that's like the Bible. If you use it the right way, it is the sword. It is the number one weapon against the enemy. You know, it takes you and times it by however many ways you use it. You know, you could get eight other queens on that board, and then there's no way you're going to lose. You have eight of the strongest pieces on the board against the enemy's little wimpy guys, you know? And also, another thing supporting why we're the queen is that, I mean, how many of you heard that we are the bride of the Lord? In Isaiah 54, 5, it says, Indeed, your husband is your maker. His name is Yahweh of hosts, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He's called the God, called the God of all the earth. So right there, I mean, the, the king is our faith, and it just stated that we're the bride of our faith. We're the bride of God. So that is another thing that makes us the queen, because we're God's bride. Now, the title of my sermon is Checkmate. Because just like in the game of chess, your goal is to put the king in checkmate, the enemy's king. Your goal is to capture that king and destroy your enemy. And um, so in Psalm 118 that I read a little bit ago, it, um, the main thing that's talked about in there is how he's surrounded by his enemy. You know? And um, he might have meant physical then, um, because he was, you know, David was surrounded a lot. You know, he had lots of people coming at him, and he had to fight him off, you know, with his actual sword, you know. But it also applies to the spiritual aspects. Every day we're surrounded, and we have temptation. We have the enemy coming at us with all these different things. I mean, right, right now, you, you had a battle this morning. It was, you could have stayed in bed. You know, you might have felt tired but you chose to come to church today. Right there is a battle that you just won. The enemy was surrounding you with different reasons not to come to church. I mean, I was preaching today, and when I woke up, I was like, I'm tired, I'm not even going to show up. Someone else can fill in. Yeah. But I chose to come, just like every one of you guys chose to come today. I mean, I'm sure you guys could have came up with reasons not to come, you know, sleeping in, hanging out with your family, you know, different stuff you have to do around the house, or, you know, you want to go to town and do something fun. But every one of you won the battle while you were surrounded by the enemy already this morning. And just like I said, the pawns of the enemy are the little things. Like when you walked in and gave a smile to someone, that's another battle you won. Because the enemy's around you and he wants you to be mean to other people, especially, I think, Christians in the church. Because you have a lot of people who come in and like people just look angry at you when you're coming into a church. I mean, you're not going to feel invited. You're not going to feel happy. And it's like, why should I come to church and why should I be a Christian 
if you guys look angry all the time, you know? If you're mean, like, why would I want that? I don't want to become a Christian and then be angry all the time and be upset and just not be nice to people, you know? Like, that goes against every single thing that they preach. Everything that is preached in church is about loving people, but yet here's these people doing that. So every time you walked in today and you smiled at someone and you said good morning, you're winning a battle in itself right there too. Now, and so obviously we just built your team. So it's 16 on 16 now. It's a fair fight. But if you don't use this team, I mean, it's useless. You have these people in your life. Like, I have Jane, Michelle, and, you know, Ryder and Beth, and Jer and Stace, and Devin and JC, like these other, you know, couples that are spiritual leaders in my life. And then I have all my family, my friends, you know, that I have, too, on my team. But if I don't use them, like, what is the point of having them in your life? If you have a relationship with someone and you're not going to go and, like, ask for their help, then what is the point? And to do that, you got to open up, though. To do that, you have to let people know what is going on in your mind, what is going on in your life. It's In football, I mean, New England Patriots, okay, having this team. Are you going to bench Tom Brady if you're the coach there? No. No, like the greatest quarterback of all time. You're not going to put him on the bench. But every day when we choose not to fight back with the enemy and we choose not to go to people with the problems we have going on, we're benching Tom Brady. That's just dumb. And I do it all the time, you know. So it's not just you guys. This is this message I came up with because it's, it was hitting me so hard. Um, so... And again, I mean, if, if you don't use this team, if you don't use these relationships, you're, you're not going to be able to win the battles like I was talking about earlier. You're not going to be able to accomplish the one thing that you were created to do after Jesus Christ died. Now, okay, so um, I was, I've been reading this book. It's, uh, it's called East of Eden by John Steinbeck. I don't know if any of you have read it or heard of it. But um, he uh, wrote about a story, and one of the people in the story, um, he was in the military. John Steinbeck himself never was in, but he wrote on why it is so hard for military personnel to relate to the world after they get out. And um, humans have a, the number one basic instinct of a human when you're born is survival. You know, you don't... You don't want to die. You do whatever you can not to die, right? But when you join the military, as soon as you get to basic, the number one thing they do is break you down mentally and bring you back up how they want you. So they break you down and they take away that natural instinct. They take away your number one instinct that was given to you when you were a child, and that's to survive. They teach you without hesitation to give your life up for the man next to you if you have to. They teach you to give your life up for the people that are back here, you know? And then another thing they do is, what is, like, the number one law you always know when you're a child? Like, the number one thing, and that's murder. You are not supposed to kill people. (laughs) You know, it's pretty simple. It's talked about in the Bible, you know. God punished Cain a lot when he killed his brother. But that's another thing that the military does. 
they teach you to kill without hesitation. They make it your natural instinct when you're going in and kicking down a door and going to clear a room, or when you take contact fire when you're on patrol, you're supposed to react. You're supposed to shoot back and take them down without hesitation. It's not even a thought. You just pull up and pull the trigger. That's it. You know, you don't hesitate because if you hesitate, you'll die. You know, that's the bottom line when you're over there is even half a second could be the difference between them pulling the trigger first and getting you or you pulling the trigger and getting them first. If we want to be able to make it instinctive to win these battles with, against the enemy, the first thing we need to do is make it an instinct to go to God. Make it an instinct to pull that trigger on the enemy. And how you do that is repetition, just like in the military. You know, we go over battle drills every single day, whether we're overseas or not, no matter what else you have going on, you go over battle drills every single time, and you shoot every single day. So that's what you have to do. It's repetition. It's a repetition to make it mumble, uh, muscle memory. <laughs> And it's repetition to make it an instinct. So you don't have to hesitate because, like I said, you hesitate once, you're dead. And it's the same thing when the enemy comes at you. You hesitate one time on going to God, and that could be the difference between you getting the world's greatest blessing from God and you going down as fast as you could. So you got to go to him every single time. Everything, every small little thing matters. Because if you're training in the military and you, the only time you care is when there's someone with a gun already pointed at you and then you're going to use your instinct, you're done. You know, if they're already up and pointed at you and you don't even have yours up and you're sitting down here like this, I mean, by the time you get up, they're already going to pull the trigger like five times. So it's every small little thing you got to do it. You know, whether it's target practice or you know, going through just different scenarios and training where you have blank rounds. You have to make an instinct. Every little thing counts. So anytime the enemy comes at you with any kind of little temptation, no matter what it is, you got to go to God right there without hesitation. You just got to go to him right away. Anytime someone comes up and talks to you and says something you don't like, you know, like when people do that to me, I'm an aggressive person and I'm kind of conflictual, you know. I like arguing, you know, I get angry really fast, and, and I'm perfectly fine with conflict. Like, if you don't like me, I really don't care. <laughs> and if you let me know, I'm going to fight back with you, you know. Like, if you come punch me in the face, I'm going to hit you in the throat. <laughs> so, but at the same aspect, like, that's not very godly. You know, like, I'm up here preaching to you right now. Telling him, I'll punch someone in the throat. That's not godly at all. <laughs> so that is the difference right there is, and obviously, if I just said all that, I need a lot of work on this. <laughs> so pray for me, guys. <laughs> but, um, like, those little things, you got to go to God. You know, if someone comes and punches you in the face, the Bible says to turn the other cheek, so you let them punch you on the other side, too. You know, and that, that is hard to do. That is really hard to do. But, you know, take that second, breathe, and just ask God, you know, what should I do in this situation? 
And that's, I mean, if someone comes up and punches you in the face, they're probably mad at you. They're mad at something you've done. They're mad at something that you, you know, that you said to them or whatever. So your response, if you go to God, is going to ask them what's going on in their life, you know. Because if someone comes at you with all this anger and this hate, there's probably something going on at home that you don't know about. So if you take that split second and you go to God, then you're going to be able to show them love and compassion. And that could be the difference between saving a soul or condemning someone to hell. Because those little things mean so much to some people. Like, um, Jager shared um, with our youth a while ago this story of there was this kid walking down the street and he dropped his books. You know, coming, he's in high school, he dropped his books, and um, this guy's driving by and he stops. You know, he goes to school with them, he's in his class, but they never talk, they're not friends. But he stops and he goes and helps the kid pick up his books. Not only that, then he goes with them home. You know, he makes sure he's okay and walks him home and just starts talking to him. And then they turn out to be best friends. You know, and then not only that, but the friend who stopped and got this, you know, nerdy guy with his books, like that's what they talk about in the story, the, the guy had like every single book from his locker in his hands that he dropped. And then um, kid turned out to be valedictorian. He joined the football team because of the guy that helped him. And these guys grew up to be best friends. And then um, he's giving his speech at graduation. And he starts talking about how no one knows it, but he cleaned out and was bringing all his books home because he was going to kill himself that night. And he didn't want his parents to have to go and clean out his locker for him. And that one act of kindness, that little tiny thing that he did of just going and helping the guy pick up his books, saved that kid's life and brought him to God because he saw love and compassion at obviously the lowest point in his life. So not only did that save his life, but it saved his soul. And to me, that is so much more important than saving a life. You know, because you can save someone's life, but if they don't go to God, they're still going to be condemned. They're still going to burn forever. And I don't want to burn forever. Like, that just sounds terrible. I would rather go to heaven and live a life, an eternal life, so forever, in just greatness and happiness, you know, with the people that I love and care about forever. But if we don't do these things, like, if, imagine if that guy hadn't stopped, hadn't picked up that kid's books with him, and then hadn't talked to him at all. That kid, he would have killed himself. He would have gone to hell. He would have never found God. And then what? You know, but that small gesture. So if you're walking down the street, and I've heard other stories about this stuff, where someone just smiled at a person who was at that point. They're at the lowest point in their lives, and someone just smiled and said, hi. You just let people know that you care just a little bit. And they just stop and think, like, you know, maybe there is good in the world. Maybe there are good people. Maybe someone does care about me. I mean, look at that random person that I don't even know came up and said hi to me and asked me how my day was going. Those little things can save someone. And then if you can throw in God in that conversation, like, don't Bible thump people. I talked about that last time I was talking up here. Like, because, again, like, I'm conflictual and aggressive, so a lot of the times when I come up and I do say hi to someone, I wreck the whole thing because I come at them 
and just started throwing, you know, info after info because they don't believe in God. And I'm like, nope, I got proof, you know, and I start throwing stuff at him. It's like, you're wrong. You have no idea what you're talking about. You're dumb. But I mean, if I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to show love and compassion to people, and then I tell them they're an idiot because they don't believe in God, I mean, it's not very Christian-like. You know, that's not going to help that person. That's going to make them feel worse. Like, I don't, there, that could make someone never want to go to God. That one little conversation where you call them dumb and stupid because they don't believe. I mean, if someone came up and said, you're an idiot, Jordan, because you don't believe in God, I'm probably not going to go to God. You know, it would take a great miracle or act to get me to think that I'd want to do that because I don't want to be, a, for one, a hypocrite. You hear that all the time. You have all these Christian people who are just cranky and mean to everybody. And then people don't want to come to church because they don't want to be a hypocrite like everybody else that goes there. That's what they think. And if you come out and, you know, talk to people like that, if you come out and you aren't nice to someone, that's what they're going to think, and you're never going to save them. And then again, you're losing a battle every time you do that. And um, again, why, like, how can we win every battle? Like, Jesus won the war, but why do we feel like we need to win every battle? Like, what do we have that shows anything like that? Well, um, in the military, like, all the training I did, you know, whether it was basic training and then infantry training and then, um, like, Sears training, all these different kinds of trainings that they have, like, if you add up the total cost that it took to train me to food, to clothe me during these trainings, it was over a million dollars. Which means if, the, if you invest money in something, you're not investing to get back what you put in. You know, if you, like, help someone start up a business and you're going, you know, like, 50% of it, you expect to get, you expect to at least double your money. So if the military invested that much money in me, I'm expected to do something that is worth more than a million dollars. The army buys their tanks right now that they use for $750,000. So that means that if that tank's worth $750,000, and it's crazy to think about because, I mean, it's a giant tank. It's got a way bigger gun than I carry. And it's, you know, armor. You know, nothing can get through it, really. How am I supposed to do more than that? Because I'm worth more than that to the military. But that I am. You're supposed to go out and you're supposed to be, I'm worth more than a tank with my military training, which means I should do more in battle than a tank can. Now, what did God invest in us? He invested Jesus Christ. He invested the, his son, his only begotten son, into us. He invested the person who lived a perfect life, who would speak one words and demons were cast away, you know, who would spit into someone's eyes and they'd see all these amazing, great things was invested into us, which means every one of us should be putting out more than what, we, what was put into us. Not only is it biblically in there that we are going to do greater things than Jesus, it's just common sense that we should be doing it. We should be going out there every single day and winning every battle the enemy has to throw at us. And not only that, but helping other people. Because I didn't, a couple months ago, I just hit a really bad point and I was just freaking out 
And I kind of had a mental breakdown because I wasn't using my team. You know, and that's when God put this message on my heart. If I were to use my team, none of that would happen. Like, after the thing happened, all these people showed up. And I was like, look at all these people that came without me even asking them to. All these people that loved me came and were there and supported me and helped me get through that night. But if I would have used them before, I would have never got to that point. If I would have used them before, I would have never broke down. You know, because they're there. They were waiting for me to say something. You have people in your life that care about you and love you, and they're there for you anytime you need them. Like every single one of you, even if I don't know your name right now, if you come up to me, I'll be on your team. And that's another thing we have to do, is we have to reach out and let people know that we are on their team. Let people know that we are a piece on their board. And that we are willing and happy to help them through whatever they are going through in their lives. Because it's not just about winning our battle, okay? I think it's more important to be a piece on, the other, on your, another person's board. It's more important to go out there and help save their lives. It's more important to go out there and help them get through their problems. You know, and if you do that, not only are you giving them a piece, but you're building a piece on your board up too. Because like Ryder said earlier, when you have a relationship, you pursue it. And when you pursue it, they're going to pursue you back. You know? So if I come out and my brother Tristan has a problem, and I'm there for him, it's just going to build our relationship up more. And then if I ever need him, he's going to be there twice as much as I was there for him. And then it just goes back. I, then I give four times as much, and then he comes back with eight. That's just how it works. You build these relationships up. So then, look at that. I have a strong piece on my board, and he's got a strong piece on his board right there. So all you got to do is reach out to these people. You know, you see someone who looks bummed out in the grocery store, go up, say hi, ask them how they're doing. You don't even have to talk about God. If you can ease it into the conversation and not Bible thump them, that's great. That's perfect. Or if you just tell them, you know, like, hey, you know, think about going to God. That's all you got to do. Think about it. Because it's going to put it in the back of their heads. They're going to wonder, like, this nice person came up and asked me how I was doing. And then told me to go to God. So obviously they have God. So if this nice person has God and looks happy and is coming to me, they're going to want that. They're going to want to come to God. They're going to come in and they're going to want to be happy. They're going to want to, and God doesn't just give you temporary happiness. Okay, he gives you eternal happiness. And if you can make him your instinct, you're never going to be depressed again. You're never going to be down again, no matter what, what life throws at you. Because no, how, no matter how many times you won the battle, there's always going to be more battles, guys. And when you come to God, I feel like there's more battles because the enemy doesn't want you to. Like I said, his number one goal is to take away your king, to capture your faith. So when you first come, like a lot of times Christians kind of get turned off because they come to God, and then all of a sudden, they're hit with all these different things, all these different, you know, terrible things in life, whether it's financial or losing your home or, you know, losing a loved one, you know, or even as simple as, like, losing, you know, like, losing a game to go to state or something like that, you know, these things in life. And it's like, I go to God, so why am I losing? 
You know, why is the enemy still coming at me? I thought, you know, Jesus defeated the enemy. Well, that's not how it works. In Psalm 118, he was surrounded, and you will be constantly surrounded. 24-7, you are constantly surrounded by the enemy. Okay, so it's still going to come at you. You're still going to, you could still lose your home. You could still lose that game. You could still lose that event. You could still lose a friend. You could still lose all your finances. But if you make an instinct to go to God, it's not going to bring you down. Because if you make that your instinct, you're just going to trust in him, and you're going to know that, hey, you know, I'm negative $500 right now, but God's going to provide. And you're not going to stress about it. You might might be hit at you with stuff that would make you depressed, but if you go to God, that depression's not going to touch you. If you make it your instinct, it's not going to touch you. Just like I said, I mean, it's my instinct to pull the trigger first. And I was really good at my job, so, you know, so why not be really good with God? Why not have an instinct so nothing can bring you down? Like, I don't like getting tore down. I don't know about you guys, but that's just not fun. You know, it sucks. It sucks getting hit by the enemy. But if you make it your instinct and you build that team, you're not going to get tore down. You know, you're going to be happy in every single situation the devil throws at you. You're going to be able to get through it. And not only are you going to get through, but if you use your team, you're going to have people supporting you through it along the way. And the Bible talks about where two, you know, like two or more are gathered, his presence is there. He's with you. So you use that team, I mean, you could have an infinite amount of people on your team. I mean, every person you meet could be someone that is brought to your team, you know. So how can you ever lose with that? Not only do you have God, do you have Jesus, the most powerful things in existence. You can't even comprehend what they can do. But now you have all these other people who have Jesus in them, who have that power in them. The enemy's not going to be able to touch you ever again. And... um. Another thing is, I want to end with this. Um, People always talk about, like I've heard preacher after preacher talk about how when you go to God and then you give him your problems, those chains start to break off you. But um, when we had um, that Living Beyond Yourself concert, do you guys remember that? When Pastor Tammy came out and talked? Um, I was up on stage uh, singing, well, pretending to sing. <laughs> I'm just up there to look good. <laughs> um, but I just had this vision come into my head. And it, the first one was my chains were broken. I was in the cell next to the wall, and the chains were on the wall, but they weren't on me. They were broken on me. I could see the breaks and the shackles. I could see the breaks and the chains. And the cell door was just blown off the hinges. Because when Jesus died, he did that. When Jesus died, the hinges were blown off. All of your shackles and chains were broken. And God just made me realize, oh, and then the second thing I saw right after that was, uh, so I'm, I'm like addicted to hockey. Like, I'm obsessed. I know 90% of the players in the NHL's heights, weights, and stats. And I love playing hockey. I play on a disabled vet league, you know. It's just, I love it. Um, and I just saw me going down the ice. It was a 2 on which is just me, one of my teammates, and the, and the team's goalie, the other team's goalie. 
And I was going down the ice with God. God had the puck. We're going down the ice. He passed me the puck, and he moved his hand, and the devil who was in the net shot out against the boards. So I had a wide open net, wide open net. All I had to do was tap that in, but I had to make the choice. I had to make the choice to put that puck in the net or just sit there with it until the enemy came back from behind and took it from me. So that uh, explained to me what the chains meant, what my first thing that I saw meant. Because I'm sitting in that cell with the door wide open, or not even there anymore, actually. All these chains broken, but I'm still sitting there cowering in the corner. So it's a choice you have to make. You can stand up and let all these things fall off of you and choose to stand out in God and then choose to walk out that cell door. Or you can choose to sit back and coddle in the corner. Don't sit in the jail cell, guys. Don't let the enemy keep you there because God already broke those chains. Stand up and accept Jesus and walk out of that cell. And then if you go the right way, you're never going to come back to that. Once you step out and you accept God and you accept Jesus and you accept the things that he did for you, you will never be put back in that cell again. So um, I just want to end with a little prayer before Ryder comes up to do communion. Lord, I just ask you that you can come into our lives and help us realize who our teammates are, Lord. Help us realize who we have in our lives to help us get through all these events, Lord, all these things that the enemy comes at us with. Lord, I pray that you help us put the enemy in checkmate, that you help us realize that we can fight back, that we can use our people and our team and ourselves to fight back the enemy and to win every single battle along the way so we can go undefeated because that is the power you have given us through Jesus Christ. We have that power to win. So I just pray over all of us in here right now, that you let us know, give us the understanding and the wisdom and the instinct to go to you, God. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone out there right now who doesn't have anyone on their team or doesn't know who's on their team, that they would just come forward at the end of this because I'll tell you I'm on your team. And Lord, I pray that you let everyone know that you're on their team. You know, you're the main piece on our board that the enemy's trying to capture from us. But you're also the strongest because without you, we have no power. Just like in the game of chess, Lord, if we don't, if we don't have you, then we lost already. We can't even move. So, Lord, I just thank you for giving us the power to fight back. I thank you for giving Jesus Christ for us so that we can beat the enemy. In your name I pray, amen. Um, as the ushers want to get the communion stuff ready, um, as we're kind of closing it down here and we're going to take communion together, I mentioned this at the beginning and kind of going along with Jordan said, you know, one of the things, I don't know, he said like thousands of great things in that, so not to just only point out one, but um, and he said you have your team, and but, but there's a part where you have to, um, you have to acknowledge you need the help. And I don't know about anybody else in here, but that's one of my biggest battles. You know, he said we were born with this need to survive in this. And a lot of us feel like we just, 
need to protect ourselves, and we need to take care of ourselves, and we need to, and ultimately, not just when it comes to team, but also when it comes to Jesus, it's like, we don't need help. We'll figure it out. We'll do it. We'll try this. We'll try that. We'll try this. And, and, and the, even a lot of the Bible, I know people are hesitant to go to God because it's like, well, I can't do all those things. I can't follow all those rules. I've failed. I, I'm this. I'm that. I've made all these mistakes. I've done all these things. And ultimately, even a lot of, what's, a lot of what leads up to Jesus actually dying on the cross is laying groundwork to let us know that we cannot do it alone and we need a Savior. A lot of the things, the Bible, you know, had the Ten Commandments, and then Jesus came and made them even harder and said, you need to do this and do that and do this. And ultimately, if you read that and you actually apply it to your life, there's not one of us. The Bible said we've all fallen short. There's not one of us that can do it all. There's not one of us can live without sinning, without making wrong decisions, without doing these things. And that is the very reason why Jesus came. And so I want to encourage you guys today, and I'm going to give you an opportunity before we take communion, because a lot of us still are trying to figure it out on our own, and you don't have to. You don't have to. Jesus didn't die for you to receive him and then walk about it alone. Like Jordan said, you have a team to support you. I'm the same way. It's hard for me to say, hey, I'm actually, I need help, because you know what? I don't want to admit failure. I've, I've been afraid of failure my whole life. I feel like failure leads to rejection, leads to people not wanting me, people thinking different of me. Any opportunity I have may be gone. And I'm still learning to say, you know what, God, I may fail and I may fail and I may fail, but I have you. And you don't fail. And you are always there for me. And I'm nothing without you. And so I want to give you a moment to consider this. We talked about it earlier. If you're needing something, if you're missing something in your life, I encourage you to go to Jesus. The Bible um, the Bible says that if we set aside Jesus, if, if we can do it on our own, Jesus didn't need to come. So if you wonder where God stands in all this, if you think God wants you to surrender and rely on Jesus, if you're questioning whether God wants you to prove yourself, if he wanted you to prove yourself, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. It would have stayed the old way. And I'm going to read a second in communion that it says his blood was poured out for a new covenant, a new way where it's not of our strength, but he washes us, he cleans us, he makes us right, and we receive from him. So I'm going to take a second, and if, if you guys just want to think on this for one second, I know you've probably been thinking on it, and Jordan kind of led up to this too. But before we take communion, I want you to know that you have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know that you have somebody, you have a king. Like Jordan said, you've already lost the game if you don't have your king. It's already over. It's, it's not a matter of, well, you can work harder. You can do all you want with these pieces, but you're not, your opponent's sitting back like, I've already won. It's over. The, the game's over. It's like playing, um, it's like when I play games with my little kids. It's like, oh, this is really cute, but ultimately, I know the outcome of this. And until the king shows up, it really isn't even a battle. Um, and when the king shows up, the enemy is lost then, ultimately. So um, if this is you, everybody, just close your eyes, whatever. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus, to, to say, you know what? I have failed. You know what? I, I've tried figuring it out on my own. I can't. I need help. I need a Savior. I need something greater than myself. I need somebody that can love me even though I'm a mess. I need somebody that will care because I, I've tried to do it alone, and I'm admitting the fact that I need help. So if that's you, don't be looking around. I want you to just slip up your hand, just to acknowledge for yourself and for others that, hey, I need Jesus. I cannot do this alone. I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. I don't want to carry this stuff any longer. I want to be like Jordan said. I want my chains broken. I want to leave this cage. So if it's you, you can put your hands down. Thank you for those who raised your hand. If there's anybody else, 
pray this prayer with me. If you don't feel comfortable raising your hand, those who raised it can put them down. And, and if it's you, pray this along with me. And this isn't about religion. Even when we do communion here, it's not about a, a ritualistic thing. This is, there's power in this. My mom said something the other day. She's like, some of us don't really go to the place where we ask people to get saved because we realize, you know, they may still fail and they still make mistakes and it's a whole journey. But there's power in salvation. When, Like Jordan said, when, when we receive Jesus, your chains are broken. Your prison doors open. Yes, people need to take steps out of that. Yes, you'll have a journey from there. Yes, the enemy will probably surround you. But there is power in receiving Jesus and starting that connection, going on that first date with him, figuring out what he's like and, and navigating this. So if you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand and you didn't, I want you to pray this prayer after me, and then we'll get ready to take communion. Jesus, I admit I can't do it alone. I've failed, I've sinned, and I need a Savior. I thank you for dying for me, for taking my punishment and my shame and giving me life in return. I thank you that you're helping me on this journey and help me get to know you more and have relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, 600th time, whatever it is, you have a relationship with Jesus and don't base it on your performance. Don't base it on how good you read your Bible, how well you pray, how many times you go to church. Those are good things. Like Jordan said, those are extra pawns on your board that will only protect you, that will only help you. It's not even about religion on that. But I want you to know that receiving Jesus does not make it something it's not. It's not another thing that we have to try harder at. It's something we receive. It's something we embrace and it's something we learn to walk in and grow in, okay? And actually the Bible says it's new life. So just like when a baby's born, we don't expect them to come out running, walking, talking, throwing footballs, preaching the gospel. No, they come out and they have to learn those things. They have to take their first steps. They might have to crawl for a while. That may be, you may be crawling for the next couple months. That's okay. You still have Jesus, and Jesus is helping you and teaching you and bringing you into that place of relationship with him. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, welcome back <laughs> um, from 2018. Yeah. Uh, no, I, 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 I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I did. Um, I was there, so I did enjoy it. Um, but, um, it's just, it's such, it's such a powerful, like Jordan was saying before, uh, it's just, this, you know, building that body around you, building that, you know, kind of that pack. And obviously you guys know that's our hearts with, with the podcast. That's our hearts with, you know, kind of everything we do is just kind of, you know, establishing your team. And I think one of the biggest components, um, you know, and Jordan touched this, touched on this in the message is just, you know, everybody kind of serving their role kind of, you know, not that one piece is more important than the other or vice versa, but, um, you know, obviously we all have different strengths and weaknesses and we, we can, we can play off of that and can use that. Um, what happens and it's so sad in, in some, you know, groups or, you know, packs, I guess, um, is that people start getting kind of out of their lane because they get greedy and they want to do different things and, and they want more or they're not happy. God created each of us, you know, uniquely. And so he, he put those strengths and those weaknesses in us for a purpose. Um, and so, I mean, Jordan's a lot better at things, you know, some things than I am, and I'm a lot better than things than he is. Um, 
So if, if, I mean, if we were to get in a fight, uh, yeah, I'm going to let Jordan take the lead, but if he needs to remodel his kitchen, he's probably going to let me take the lead, you know? And if, if we tried, if we tried to do what the other did, it would not turn out right. Mm -hmm. You know, you can sit back and say, yep, I tried, but you still wouldn't have a kitchen. You know what I mean? Yep. Or I could sit back and say, yeah, I tried, but I'd, I'd still get my, my ass kicked. Mm-hmm. So the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Exactly. And, it, and if you think about that with wolves too, is like the alpha is not always the biggest, the strongest or the fastest. Right. right. But he's, you know, but you have, sometimes you have the fastest wolf is the only one that can catch their prey. So he right. slows it up and then the rest of the pack comes in. You know, yeah. it's stuff like that. We have to do that for each other, the different places. Like like Devin said, if right. I ever need my kitchen or, well, literally anything done around my house, um, <laughs> I, am, I don't have a clue with that type of stuff. But Devin's over there building walls and, you know, like all that other crap, you know, shelves and garages. Like he just builds everything, remodels stuff, you know. And yeah. So it's, you know, that's his lane. And guess what? I'll either have him tell me what to do or I'll sit back and uh, drink a beer and watch him do it. So, you know, Jordan's like, really, really good at handing me another beer when I'm working. Yes, I mean, I that's, it's one of his strengths. Yep. Um, <laughs> I know my place. <laughs> you know my place. Yeah. Yes. But honestly, guys, um, we just hope you, you know, you, you took something from that message. Uh, we hope that, you know, something stood out to you. Um, if it did shoot us an email, you know, I know our, our technical issues are just causing a lot of headaches for us and, and maybe you guys too, but, um, you can always reach us on email, uh, you know, man up ministry podcast at gmail.com. So, um, yeah, give us, give us a shout out, give us a message. Uh, we'll we'll definitely respond. Especially if you, like we said, if you don't feel like you have anyone on your chessboard, you don't feel like you have anyone in your pack or on your team. Okay. We like, if you, if you listen to this and you're like, I don't have any of the, like, if you don't, if you're yeah. even missing one of the pieces and different things that was just talked about, like reach out to us on our, our personal Facebooks our you know, our man up Facebook, our yeah. private Facebook group, like email, Instagram, yeah. like I, we don't care at all. Whatever you, we, yeah. Whatever you got to do. We're, we're telling you right now, whatever, if you don't have even one of those things, hit us up because we'll, we'll either help you find someone to have that piece or we will be that piece. Yeah. So, you know, like, just let us know, hit us up. Right. <clears throat> All right, guys. Well, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. And, um, we, we love, you know, kind of being able to be back in, in some form or fashion and just, you know, talking with you guys. Um, and I, I can't wait to do it more. Uh, so yeah, so stick with us, stay tuned and, uh, we'll see you next time on man up. And remember, don't be beta, be an alpha. start the outro because they're really oh. gonna listen to me talk for like 40 minutes true true okay yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get that. I get that.